My dear friends, I am a prisoner. I have been chained, but I am content. I am shackled, but I am at peace. I was struck with stones, but the Lord saved me. It has been a long journey, but when I think about all of you, I'm filled with unspeakable joy. You are a light. I love you. I long to see you. Dear friends, may the peace of God be with you. That's it. It was a blessing um, to hear and experience Paul's heart. And his heart was like that because the gospel is good news because it's the message of Jesus plus nothing. And the more we realise the nothing part of it, the more of Jesus we're going to experience. Because to any extent that you try to add to the gospel, you rob it of its power. We had an elder and deacons meeting at Tim and Kate's a couple of weeks ago and Russ was speaking about how God had oppressed upon him that he was not to add anything to the gospel. Something just ignited in my spirit. As he said those words, I wasn't planning to be ignited, but it did. And I, find, I found myself just speaking out revelation, absolute truth. With this theme in mind, I want us to consider today the kind of passion Paul has for the purity of the gospel and why it's this that brings unspeakable joy. So I'm going to read from Philippians 3 now, the first 11 verses. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And the first thought that came to me as I read that, it doesn't say whatever happens, rejoice in whatever happens. It says, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil. Those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I, was, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly, per, harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now... I consider them worthless because of what Jesus has done, of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ Jesus. 
For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. C.S. Lewis writes in the screw tape letters, which I hadn't read until this week, when the senior devil screw tape is writing to the junior devil Wormwood in chapter 25, that screw tape gives Wormwood the advice to lure his subject, the patient, which is seen as the Christian, away from the pure gospel. What we want, this is a quote from the book, what we want if men become Christians at all is to keep men in a state of mind I call Christianity end. You know, Christianity and the crisis. Christianity and the new psychology. Christianity and the new order. Christianity and vegetarianism. Christianity and speaking reform. If they must be Christian, let them be Christians with a difference. Substitute for the faith itself some fashion with Christian colouring. And Lewis is right. It is a primary temptation. It is, it's at the core of the spiritual battle to try to lure us away from the purity and simplicity of the gospel. The temptation for Christians is generally not that we abandon the gospel and lose our faith and all belief. It's that we modify it and add something in an attempt to make ourselves more righteous. I think this expanding revelation is the journey I've been on since we commenced Redemption Hills Church over 12 months ago. And with this expanding revelation has been an expanding joy coming in my life. And because of that, an expanding strength. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. People from the very foundation of the world began to have a longing. Sometimes they were unaware of it but a deep longing to be found righteous, a longing to be accepted and a longing to become righteous go hand in hand. And so it began with Adam and Eve who fell into sin and they were put out of the Garden of Eden. The cry of their human heart began, how do I become acceptable again? How, do I, how can I be found righteous? When the first children are born and Abel brings an offering and the Lord was pleased with it and then Cain brings an offering and the Lord is not pleased with it for whatever reason. What Cain does in his fury and killing his brother is an expression of the cry of the human heart. What do I need to make myself righteous and acceptable? Esau finds that his blessing is stolen by his brother Jacob. And the story tells us Esau wept and says, Father, where is my blessing? The cry of Esau's embittered heart, his embittered soul is, what, mu what must I do to be found righteous, to be accepted? Jacob's children think of their brother Joseph and how much favour he experiences from the father. And they develop bitterness within them and say, what must we do to be found righteous? What must we do to be accepted? In Moses' day, Moses and Aaron could worship in the tabernacle, but no one else was permitted. No one else could even touch the mountain that Moses went up upon. What must we do to be righteous enough to worship in the tabernacle or walk in the mountains where Moses walks, the people said. And the people of God sinned, they were put into exile 
They wept in Babylon and the cry of their heart again was, what must we do to be found righteous and acceptable to God? It's the cry that's going on in every human heart, whether we know it or not. And so it transpired in the New Testament era when the gospel is now known that the glories of the good news of Jesus Christ was being taught. That we can be 100% forgiven. That we have a guaranteed eternity with God. That we are utterly free in this world to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But nonetheless, there came into the early church a teaching that said, but. But. If you really want to be found righteous, if you really want to be accepted, then you need Jesus plus you need you need something else. And in Philippians 3, Paul refers to a group known as the Judaizers who are teaching that you need the sign of circumcision. You need the old covenant sign of being people of God, which had begun with Abraham. But we learn from Romans 4.11 that he, speaking of Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all who believes. The purpose in this was that he would be the father of all those who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. What happened was that Abraham believed God's promises and the Bible says it was credited to him as righteousness and circumcision was a sign, a token or an expression of the covenant of God's grace that had been received by faith. And so circumcision became a token or an expression of the sovereign grace of God. But amongst the Jewish people, it was a symbol of being part of the chosen people of God. And it became associated with Moses and the law. Now in the preparation for this message, I learned that in the period from the end of the Old Testament till the commencement of the New Testament with the arrival of Jesus, there's a period of a couple of centuries. And the Jewish people were persecuted terribly. And according to Maccabean literature during this time, there was a restriction placed on the Jews practising circumcision. And where it was discovered that either occurred, the child would be put to death and so would the mother. So as we enter the time of the gospel of Jesus Christ and people who are Gentile, never having been Jewish, accept Christ, their sins are forgiven, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're in an eternal relationship with God and then Jewish people, Judaizers, come to the Gentile and Christians and say, If you really want to be accepted, then consider circumcision. This was always a mark of the covenant. So you too need to be circumcised. It's understandable how that could creep in. Because it's understandable you could wonder why Paul, and it's because of this, it's understandable you could wonder why Paul becomes so strong in this. He becomes emotional like he was in the book of Galatians. And he calls these Judaizers dogs, evildoers and mutilators of the flesh. Now dogs was a form of contempt they used to save up for Gentiles. But he's referring to the Jewish, the Judaizers as dogs, evildoers. 
If you want to catch the impact of what Paul is teaching about in Philippians 3, he's not just saying, well, if you let just a little bit of something get added to the gospel and mixed in, it might take away just a little of your joy. It might rob you of a little bit of your peace. He's saying more than that. It's saying it's evil to preach anything other than the pure gospel. He said in Galatians uh, chapter 5, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favour with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make us make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. So Paul in Philippians 3 is preaching at every point about blessing, not a curse. He calls them evildoers, mutilators of the f- flesh. The language he uses in the Greek is a threefold repetition of the warning, look out, look out, look out, be forewarned. Be aware. Be diligently looking for this. Guard yourself against this. He's very passionate. And he says in Galatians 5, two of the Jew, these Judaizers, I wish those that unsettle you would emasculate themselves. This is the strongest, strongest language. And then Paul does a very unusual thing that he only does a couple of times. He starts to list off his pedigree as a Jew listing all his own reasons that he could have had confidence in the flesh. He's saying, I could preach the Judaizer sermon better than them. They think they are special, but I was born a Jew. Some of them may not even be of Jewish descent. They may have been converted, but I was born a Jew. It's circumcised exactly when you're meant to be. I can tell you that the tribe of Ju- I can tell you the tribe of Jewish lineage that I'm descended from, a Hebrew of Hebrews, totally Jewish. They are telling you that you need to be circumcised to keep the law. Well, no one has kept the law more than me. I was a Pharisee committed to every minute detail of it and keeping the law as well, keeping the Mosaic law as well as anyone could have done it. So zealous I persecuted the early Jewish believers. And I'm here to tell you it means nothing. Why is he so mad? Not about the act of circumcision. He he says elsewhere in the scriptures, it matters not whether you are or you are not. It's not a sin either way, but it's attaching meaning, purpose or power to it that is wrong and dangerous. Paul is angry because the Judaizers were teaching that you can have more of the spirit of God if you practice this thing, more power from the gospel if you do this added thing. You know, we've been preaching and teaching on a revelation from God that this church would minister to the people with dry bones, with those that have walked away from God and not serving anymore. And I think that part of that dryness has come, those hurts have come, maybe even bitterness, has originated in part from what was added to the gospel by man. that you felt you couldn't live up to. Maybe it was even pointed out that you weren't living up to it. You didn't fit because of it. 
your difference and uniqueness was not appreciated nor celebrated. But Paul wanted to emphasise that the believers of Philippi were the true circumcision. And likewise, we are the true circumcision. We are the ones that through faith alone have become righteous through Jesus Christ. We worship in the Spirit of God with a breathtaking yieldedness to God, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, not trying to control things by our own flesh or effort, but boasting and finding confidence in Christ Jesus alone. In Galatians 6.15 it says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. As soon as it is suggested to you that you're not quite as qualified via inheritance in God because of the clothes that you wear, because you're not circumcised or you don't eat the right food, you don't worship on the correct day or wear your hair properly, you don't use the right prayer language or say things how they should be said, if we let any of those things come in, the gospel is robbed of its power. The power of God is revealed as we worship in in the Spirit and maintain our focus on the glory of the risen Christ. It's all about him and the good news about him. And how many times have we heard that in the last 12 months? Paul is saying there is nothing you need to add to be more righteous. I think Paul was so angered by what the Judaizers were saying because he recognised that people were so vulnerable to this kind of deception. Um, because our deep, we have this deep-seated need to be accepted and feel that we belong and to be found righteous. I remember reading many years ago uh, in a an illustration of a book by Bill Hybels, Contagious Christian, who said that the main thing that stops us witnessing to the power of Christ in our life is that the person we're speaking to might say, stop, I don't want to hear that right now. The thought of that rejection stops us witnessing about Christ. We so want to be included. So people all over the world in cultures of all kinds have set up these artificial external requirements or measures to determine who's in and who's out. And there are still today huge influences encouraging us to adopt external conformities to whatever is needed. Just spend some time on social media. And what they're doing is they're leveraging this need to be accepted and belong. Paul is angry because the Judaizers are promoting an external form of acceptance. The whole point of the new covenant is is that there is not something external, not something of our human effort, not something to be gained from striving, no addition of our own righteousness. If we were the most righteous people on the face of the earth, we would still be found wanting. We would still fall short of the glory of God. Paul knew this and he had experienced the joyous, liberating power of discovering that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And for him, a teaching contrary to this placed the whole new covenant at risk. This covenant, new covenant, is not a modified old covenant. The writer of Hebrews refers to the old covenant as obsolete. Not that it is unimportant, unimportant nor bad, but what had been revealed in Jesus is so extraordinary that it completes or fulfills every demand of the law. 
And what is so different about this new covenant is that in the old covenant, it was between the people and God. If the people obey, God blesses them. But the new covenant is not established between us and God the Father. It's between the human representative for us, our brother Jesus, fully human, representing the entire human race who fulfills the covenant with his Father for each one of us. On our behalf, Jesus lived the life that we could never live so that when we become a Christian, we just get swept up in this new covenant. So Paul uses this language being found in Christ so that all the new covenant blessings come to us because we are in Christ. So we don't add anything to it and make it lose its power. The power is being found in Christ, being found righteous in Christ. So bringing this round the full circle... Satan cannot disqualify us. So the battle is to get the Christians to disqualify themselves. The tactic is to convince us that our faith should be in the Lord Jesus Christ plus something else, plus these other things. And at Redemption Hills Church, we have nothing to add to the gospel. While Paul had all the outward standards and background for inclusion, that's not what made him included in the family of God. As a Pharisee, he had it all, covered everything under the law. But now he counts it as nothing compared to the value of knowing Christ. All those human standards were absolutely nothing. And I just remind us again of Philippians 3, 10 to 11. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. The Christian life just doesn't end with the power of the resurrection. It begins with the power of the resurrection. I was dead, but he made me alive. I was blind, but now I see. What happened in our conversion was the power of the resurrection. When we are taken to glory with God in heaven, it will be the power of the resurrection. Everything that's happening in between is filled with the power of his resurrection. As we share in the sufferings of Christ, the benefits that flow from his suffering on the cross become ours. We share in his death because we die to our old nature when we are baptised in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. When we live by the flesh, um, when we try to become righteous by human effort, when we had no power of it, no power over sin, it resulted in defeat. But through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have, been, we have died and been made righteous in him and we have been raised up. When we lay hold of this, we are released in the freedom of the gospel to take hold and utilise and run the race with fullness and power and not miss the joy of the kingdom. There's not something else that's going to make us more powerful or anointed, more filled with the Holy Spirit, but to be in Jesus and in his shed blood that has accomplished everything on our behalf. He's done it all. He's paid it all. There's not anything you or I can do or add. Circumcision or no circumcision, nothing adds anything to the gospel. We're the ones who can step out in the power of God. We're the ones who can experience true joy. Because of what he has done, we already are the circumcision. We who worship in the spirit and glory in Christ. We have been found righteous in Christ and him alone. That is the good news of the gospel. 
Hallelujah. 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 Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the revelation, the good news of Christ. Lord, we commit again not to add anything to the good news about you. To your death on your cross, your resurrection from the dead and the fact that you now sit at the right hand of the Father interceding for us each day. Lord, may just the unspeakable joy of that revelation which Paul knew and experienced be ours each day. There will be circumstances, there will be trials, but you say right at the start of this chapter, rejoice in the Lord, remain in the Lord, be in him and trust in the truth and purity of the gospel. Lord, we pray that for any this morning who would just want a greater revelation of you, greater revelation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would just come and bring that to them right now in your name. We thank you, Lord. You're a wonderful saviour. And we praise you. Amen.